Good morning, everyone. Hope you are having a restful morning or afternoon, whenever you're watching this at home with a coffee and a croissant ready to go. As Gavin said, we're starting a new uh, series today, working through the book of Acts, uh, which uh, you'll find in your Bible. It's, uh, it's just near the beginning of the, or kind of halfway through the New Testament, after the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can find the book of Acts there. Uh, and we decided to go through the book of Acts this year in 2022 uh, because the book of Acts is, it helps you to sort of go behind the scenes. Uh, it's like a, a, in a sense, like watching a documentary. You get to see the, the inner workings of the very first churches, of the churches that Jesus disciples, those that had spent time with him, that he trained and discipled and led. Uh, and then he commissioned and sent them out. The book of Acts tells the story of what those disciples did. And what they did is they started churches. And this, we see this movement of God spread right across the Mediterranean 2,000 years ago, where they go from city to city and start new communities of believers. And we wanted to do that because 2022, I believe, is going to be a big, important year for us as Liberty Church here in Amsterdam. We, in a few months' time, we're going to be appointing four guys to be elders in the church. We're going to be introducing a more formal uh, uh, mode of membership, which we've been talking about for a while, but we're going to be doing that over the next couple of months as well. And those might sound like very boring, practical things, but we're doing them partly because that's what the Bible tells us to do, but we're doing them because God's called us to a great mission here in this city. He's called us, he's called you, he's sent you here to this city for a purpose, for a reason, to do what they did 2,000 years ago in the book of Acts, to take the good news, the message of Jesus and his kingdom, and to spread it all around us. And we want to learn how to do that, and the book of Acts is going to help us to do that and explore that story together. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the first uh, 11 verses of Acts chapter 1 and I'll pray and then see what God has to say to us through it. It says this from chapter 1 verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, 
Two men stood by them in white robes. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taking up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let me pray. Jesus, we just want to ask right now that just as we're listening to this, wherever we're listening from, uh, our bedroom, our home, uh, listening on the way to, to work on a Monday morning, we pray that you speak to us right now. Whatever we're feeling today, whether we're feeling excited for uh, new beginnings at the start of this year, or maybe we're just fed up and grumpy of this pandemic, or just life has just got on top of us, we pray you'd speak to us this morning. We pray your word would bring life. Your word would bring hope and joy. Your word would direct us to help us to follow you. Pray, Holy Spirit, would you be at work right now, we ask. Amen. Amen. Now, what I was sharing just before I read the passage, you might think is not, might not sound that important to you. Maybe at the start of this year, this new year, the questions that you might have in your heart would be more about when is this pandemic going to end? You might have questions about what your purpose is, what your, your goals are this year, what resolutions you might set for yourself. Maybe you set some already. Maybe you set some and you've lapsed on them, <laughs> that they're not going very well. Maybe your questions at the start of this year might be more about your own identity. Who am I? What, what, am, I, what am I supposed to do? Or maybe your questions are about you just want to find some peace, some rest, some help. You might have all sorts of questions that are preoccupying you. Why has this happened? Why is this situation occurring? What's, what's this all about? whether you're a believer in Jesus or not. But perhaps I think the key question that underlies all of these, the key question I think it's important for us to all ask at the start of this year, the start of any year, is, what is what's Jesus doing? Whether you follow Jesus or not. If Jesus really is alive, if he really did conquer death if he really is today at work the lord of all heaven and earth then the big question that always faces us is what is jesus doing and it's, it doesn't have to be a question of doubt or concern it can be one of faith that we want to see what where he's at work we want to get behind we want to be involved in what he's doing so that's the question that we're going to look at this morning what is Jesus doing today? Because often we might think about Christianity as something in the past tense. Maybe if you don't know Jesus, you might think, well, it's just, Christianity is just a myth, just a nice story. Or maybe it has some historical truth to it, but it's, all, it's, it's history, it's in the past. It might have some lessons for us that are helpful for today, but ultimately it's, it's an old thing. It happened a long time ago, that the Bible is just this dusty old book. They're just stories from ancient history. That all we have now is something old and silence today. But 
we believe as followers of Jesus that the, this book teaches us that not only is Jesus alive today, but he's at work today. He's still speaking today through his word, that he wants to speak to you this morning. That he wants to call you this morning into his purposes. He wants to call you into his plans or his purposes. Whether you've been doing that all your life for years and decades, he wants to call you afresh. Maybe you've never considered that. Maybe you've lapsed. Maybe you had a season when you were passionate for Jesus and more recently everything's just felt flat and dull and you've kind of forgotten why you're here, what he's got for you. He wants to speak to you today. He wants to call you into his plans. Christianity isn't something of the past. It's not just old stories. It's not kind of just things to sort of pick us up and give us a bit of a spiritual boost. He's alive today and he's at work. He's at work through us, through the people of God, and he wants to work in your life this morning. See, that's my first point today. What is Jesus doing? Well, this passage says that, uh, that Luke is writing this book and he also wrote the book of Luke to the same guy, Theophilus. And in his first book, the Gospel of Luke, he says, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Sometimes we can read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as the story of Jesus' life, the story of what Jesus did up until his death and resurrection, which of course they are. But what Luke is telling us here, that that's just the story of what Jesus began to do and this book the book of Acts it might say in your Bible at the top the Acts of the Apostles but it's actually the Acts of what Jesus is now continuing to do that he hasn't stopped he hasn't sort of just passed on the baton and then disappeared the first book was about what Jesus began to do this book's about what Jesus is continuing to do that's one of the major themes of this book this is what Luke is doing at the start of this book. At the start of any book or a letter or any kind of perhaps report you might read in your workplace or an essay you might have to write as part of your studies, you will start off by saying these are the major themes. You put that at the start of your whatever you're writing, whatever you're reading. These are the key characters involved. This is the structure of what I'm going to write. And Luke's doing the same here. And he's telling us right at the start, that there's, Jesus is still at work, that he's still alive, that the book of Acts tells us the story of what Jesus carried on to do. It's not like, you know, where Steve Jobs dies and the company of Apple had their story and now someone else has picked it up and, you know, they probably try and keep some of his ideas and emphasis in it. It's not like that. It's not like that Jesus is just gone now and we're sort of trying to model, trying to follow. He's at work Today, still, he's at work in this book through the individuals that we're going to encounter in this story. His suffering, as it calls us here, his death and resurrection for us, is really just the beginning. It's the beginning of a new era for all of creation. It's not the end, it's the start of new life coming into the earth the start of the spread of his glory all around the earth. Jesus is continuing now what he begun. Secondly, to this question of what is Jesus doing, well, he's at work, he's continuing his work, and he's doing it through 
his people. He's doing it through the church. These are the characters that we begin to meet that Luke gives us to, these apostles, his disciples, the people of God that he's been investing his time on over the 30-odd years of his life. He's been investing in this people, and now he's sending them out. This title of the book, Acts of the Apostles, is perhaps the better title would be The Acts of the Lord Jesus Through His People, the Church, by the Power of the Holy Spirit. It's a bit long-winded, so that's why we don't call it that. But that's really what the title of the book should be, that Jesus is continuing his work, all of his acts, and he's doing it through his people that we're going to meet in this story, and he's doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit, which also we do encounter as we go through this story. And the apostles, the disciples, they're, they're the sort of the people that Jesus has been training, they're the, the building blocks upon which he's going to build this church planting movement that spreads from Jerusalem where they're all hiding away here in this story and fires out the book finishes we'll get to chapter 28 I don't know if we'll do it this year but at some point book finishes in Rome we find Paul there and he's still preaching the gospel he's still telling them all about the kingdom of God and even that was just the beginning of this journey of taking the gospel right to the ends of the earth And as we go behind the scenes of this story, there's so much in here for us. I was watching just before Christmas the the documentary about the Beatles on Disney Plus. It's fascinating. It's called Get Back. And it, it shows them recording their last album together and preparing for the last ever final concert together. And you get to see behind the scenes, you get to see them writing some of their most famous songs. It's fascinating to watch, but really is, it's, just, it's just history, and it's, it's very nostalgic, and it's very warm and nice, but nothing new is going to come out of that. There's going to be no new songs from them. There'll be no, uh, no, nothing that will come to us so fresh. It's just an old story that's fascinating. But with this, with this book, we get something that, is alive and speaks to us today and now. Because many of us uh, have probably been part of different churches before or have experienced different church culture or we come across lots of different ways of doing church. And it can often be bewildering and confusing. There's lots of different churches. They sometimes seem to believe lots of different things, sometimes in opposition to one another even. Christians say horrible things about each other sometimes. Christians sometimes seem to be on one political side and sometimes on another. It feels very confusing. What's this all about? So as we go through this book, we want to strip all of that away. We're not trying to be part of a denomination. We're not trying to be part of a a thing or of a system. We want to be the people of God. We want to follow what they practice these first people as they plant these first churches. And we're going to discover that they're not perfect. That even in this book, there are disputes that they fall out with one another. We're going to discover some big personalities and they upset one another from time to time. That there's suffering that they encounter, quite a lot of it actually. But in the midst of it all, this is faith. There's a reliance on Jesus. There's a reliance on his Holy Spirit at work. And that's the flavor that we want to catch. 
want to learn from their story, but also to see what Jesus is doing today through us, through his people. And you might see in this story that the disciples, they asked Jesus to ask what might seem a surprising question. In verse six, they say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And you might think that that question's odd. You know, might think, have they not been listening? You said a few verses before that Jesus, after his resurrection, had appeared to them for 40 days and taught them about the kingdom of God. So he spent over a month telling them all about the kingdom of God. And then their first question to him is one about the kingdom of God. Is, have, have they not been listening? Have, have they missed what Jesus is trying to say to them? Are they just being a bit clumsy and a bit dumb? Well, no, they're actually asking a really important question. Because what Jesus is doing today, through his people, the church, through the people in this story, is he's restoring his kingdom. And that's what they're asking about. See, because the people asking this question, they're, they're Jews, they're Israelites. They've, been, they've read their Old Testament, which is full of these promises of a Messiah that's going to come of a king that's going to come. And everything that they've lost, everything that's been broken, he's going to restore it to them. See, the people of Israel lived through long periods of desolation, long periods of exile, where they've been booted out of their, of their land. Even now, as they're asking this question, the Romans are, are in power over their city, their capital of Jerusalem. They're longing for someone to come back and bring them some, some authority, some, to, to, to all these promises to breathe life into them again, to breathe hope into them again. They're waiting for their Messiah to come. And they think they've seen him in Jesus and they're saying, when are you going to give this all back to us? When are you going to restore your kingdom? A good passage in Isaiah gives you a little bit of a flavor of this. Isaiah 42, it says the palace is forsaken the populous city deserted it's talking about the city of Jerusalem the hill and the watchtower will become dens forever a joy of wild donkeys a pasture of flocks so it's saying that their their empire their their capital their city all their hopes and dreams have been crushed they're broken they're desolate and then it says this, until the spirit is poured upon us from on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is deemed a forest, then justice will dwell in the wilderness. Righteousness abide in the fruitful field and the effect of righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. See, what Jesus has come to do through his death and resurrection, there's a, there's a personal dynamic where for each of us, we've all had to suffer our own or be aware of our own sin, our, our own desolation, our own brokenness. And Jesus has had to come and save us. All of us need a savior. Every single one of us. But that salvation 
is so much more than just a personal thing. It is wonderfully personal that Jesus loves you personally and uniquely, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. Right now, he wants you to know that he loves you, but also that he's called you into something. He's called you into his kingdom. That his plan for you wasn't just to save you, but to add you into something. His plan to see the kingdom of God spread all around the, the world. And that, that's a kingdom of righteousness. It's a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of justice, a kingdom of hope. And he's called us as his believers to see that worked out in the world around us. And his cross, his death and resurrection is this, is this heralding of a new age. It's this beginning of Jesus' new kingdom rule on this earth around us. And one day it will see its final completion when Jesus returns. But even right now, he's at work restoring his kingdom. He's at work. Because that's how Jesus answers their, their question. He gives, well, he gives two answers. First of all, he says in verse seven, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. He's saying, one day I will come back. Now, I'm not gonna tell you when it is. And even now, we don't know when it is. Anyone that tries to tell you that they know, then ignore them, they're wrong, they don't know. The Father won't tell us. He'll come like a thief in the night, the Bible says. But then in verse eight, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and partly that, that verse describes this is where Luke's giving us the structure for the whole book of Acts in chapter 2 we'll see the power is going to come on them on the day of Pentecost and then the book is then in three sections after that where they go to Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and then finally we see Paul in Rome, which for them would have been the end of the earth. That was as far away as they, they knew. So this verse gives us the structure of how the book is going to pan out, but it's so much more than that as well. He's saying to them, he's saying to us, he's going to give us power to be his witnesses. That's what you've been called, sent to do. That's your big purpose in the year of 2020 to receive his power again afresh today and to be witnesses to the kingdom of God. And you see, that's, sometimes we might hear that idea of being witnesses as I've got to go and just tell as many people as I can about Jesus. I've got to put tracks through people's letterboxes. I've got to beat people over the head with the Bible. Um, and none of that's bad, although don't, probably don't beat people over the head with your Bible. I mean, don't do that. Um, unless they really need it. <laughs> but what the idea of being witnesses, it's, it's about taking the kingdom of God, of displaying, of living out, of living transformative lifestyles in our city. You see, in terms of reaching the ends of the earth, God's called them all here to Amsterdam. There's, there's 180 different nations in our city. The ends of the earth, we don't have to travel to them anymore. He's brought them all right here. And I, I want to play my part. I want us as a church to play our role in seeing this verse fulfilled. And we can do right here in our city today. 
And as it talked about in those verses in Isaiah, that the Spirit's going to come, and it's going to come and sort of make the fields fruitful. It's going to cultivate the land, because it's going to bring righteousness. It's going to bring peace. It's going to restore broken relationships. It's going to heal broken homes. It's going to help solve disputes in workplaces. It's going to help people to see the peace, righteousness, the joy, the hope of knowing Jesus. And that's what we're called to here in this city. And I want to keep praying for uh, in Amsterdam as it is in heaven. I want to see the kingdom of God come again and again in this city. I want to see the kingdom restored around us. And he's going to use us, me, you, to do that. He is every single one of us. You see, because we might, as we go through this story, it might, it might seem as though it's a story of great heroes, these apostles, of Peter and John, of Stephen, of Paul, of Barnabas. We do encounter these wonderful characters. The story of these great heroes doing these mighty things, of extraordinary people doing exceptional things. But those are, those are just the edited highlights. The real heroes of this book and the real heroes of the church through history are the many hundreds in this book. Some of them we don't even know their names, but all through human history of the millions and millions of people who did just ordinary people doing everyday things. That's how we usher in the kingdom of God. And all of us can play our parts in that. We're all ordinary people and we're all called every day. We've got so many everyday things to do around us. But even through the sometimes most mundane of everyday tasks, we can help see the kingdom of God come alive around us in, in how we go about those things. Whether it's making your co-workers coffee in the office or fixing the photocopier when it gets broken of how we answer an email or of how we behave on a, on a Zoom call or a Slack conversation, of how we diligently do our jobs, of how we respect our lecturers as students, it's just in all the bog standard things of life, in how we pray for healing when we see people who are sick, and how we just serve and love the poor and the vulnerable in our city, the ones that are forgotten by everybody else. You know, we speak up where we're advocates for those who don't have any voice. We get to see the kingdom of God come all around us. And it's just ordinary people doing mundane things over and over and over again. And we see the kingdom of God come around us. That's what we're called to in our city. And we get to, as we do all of these things, we get to join with the true hero of this story, See, because to give us a sneak preview, if you go to the end of the book of Acts, to chapter 28, we'll see that this theme of the kingdom of God appears again, that Paul's talking about it, that Paul, this great apostle that we're going to read a lot about his story, in chapter 28, he's under house arrest in Rome, so he's just in his home and he can't go out of it, and people just come to him and he just teaches them about the kingdom of God. And the weird thing about, if you've ever read the book of Acts, it's quite a fun book just to read in one whole sitting because it's just a fascinating story. 
But when you get to the end, it feels, it feels like a bit of an abrupt ending. There's nothing particularly dramatic to it. You feel like this story is building all and all the time. Like greater, bigger things seem to be happening. The story seems to be getting more and more exciting. And then the end, Paul's just you know, sitting in his home. Can't go anywhere. It's a bit like if you've ever seen the first Lord of the Rings movie, The Fellowship of the Rings. As the movie goes on, it's getting more and more exciting and there's this climactic battle scene. But it doesn't end there. Then there's like another 20 minutes where Frodo just gets on a boat, you know, and him and Sam have a bit of a cry and a hug together and it all just sort of fizzles out. It's just a weird ending to the movie. And this book can feel a bit like that. Like, why is it just sort of fizzled out? And Paul's just sitting at home. It doesn't seem particularly dramatic. But I think what Luke, what the Bible's trying to communicate to us is that Paul isn't the hero of the story here. He was just, he was just doing, he was just fulfilling this verse. He was just being a witness to the kingdom of God. That's how the story ends. You can read the very last verse. That's what it's about. He's just witnessing about the kingdom of God. The true hero of this story is Jesus. He's the one that's at work through all these different moments, through all these different conversations. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he's at work. It says in the book of John, Jesus said to his disciples, it's better that I leave so I can send the Holy Spirit. It's better for us that Jesus isn't here now because he's sent his spirit to live amongst his people. And he's rescued you by his grace. You might think, well, I'm just not qualified. I'm just not, I just don't have it within me. I'm just, I'm too desolate. I'm too broken to do any of these things. But Jesus has called you by his grace, by his mercy. He wants to add you into his family to serve his purposes, to follow him wherever he takes you, to take the kingdom of God to wherever you find yourself. And he's going to do it all by the power of his Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray right now, and then Joe and the band are going to come and lead us. Yeah, we just want to ask, it's so frustrating not to have a room full of people here with us. But I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you just so much bigger you transcend all of that as we go through this book we're going to find story after story again and again of people in prison of people getting martyred for their faith of of suffering and of pain that is far beyond anything we've ever experienced and through it all god you are at work that jesus you never stopped that what you began you continued and you did it all by the power of your holy spirit so i want to ask right now for all of us, Liberty Church spread across this city today watching this, the Holy Spirit, you would fill us again for your great mission. You'd fill us for what you've called us to, to take this transformative message of the kingdom of God and to spread it right across the city and all the cities that you'll send us to. We want to see your name made famous. We want to see the kingdom of God come all around us. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you fill us right now to do that task. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd fill us right now, just at the start of this year, to see more of Jesus. That we just encounter right now more of your love and grace towards us. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for us. Amen.